Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just, you forgot to enter. We, uh, so I have one of my producers on the phone. His name's Brendan. Okay. Newly. He, he said, what's up, dude? And uh, I'm also running camera over here, too. So if I ever, like, look up or, like, do some random shit with my hands, it's, that's why. Totally get it. Well, so do you, so real quick, um, I was talking to my producers. I was like, dude, I don't, I wonder if like the schmo is like your full-time character. <laughs> do, is it weird for you to snap out of it? So I started, uh, uh, the schmo zone podcast. Helen and I started the schmo zone podcast, uh, right around the Super Bowl, So the first week of February, and that's kind of where I made the decision where, okay, Am I going to stay in character the whole time or, going to, or am I going to come out of the character? I knew eventually over time I'd come out of character. So after we launched the podcast and I was kind of myself and showcasing the behind the scenes of the character, okay, the cat's out of the bag so I could be myself. But initially it was a little weird a couple months ago, uh, but I always wanted to kind of keep it a little bit of a secret, but I always knew in the back of my mind it would come out. But so now that we're doing this and I've done quite a few podcasts where I'm can talk about the character. I'm getting more comfortable each time. Did you ever reach like near manic breakdown? You're like, dude, hey, who am I, man? Like was there ever times where you went home, you were like totally pissed at your roommates and high energy. Um, dude, I've had, Oh man, that was most of my twenties. So most of my twenties, <laughs> I lived in Los Angeles. I had a great place in West LA to my roommates, kind of where I was creating the character. And there are so many highs and lows. There's so many people who never thought I would be able to succeed. So many of the major networks that have turned me down throughout time. And essentially, that's why I created the character in the first place is because nobody gave me a chance. I'm like, screw it. I'll, do, I'll become a character. I'll do this in the character and I'll do it better. And I kind of started it to kind of mock the system. And it turned into something a lot bigger than that. Well, yeah. So I was on the phone with my friends last night. I said we were setting this up, like, because I got a bunch of friends who love the UFC, and he was like, "Yeah, dude, like, this dude, the schmo's like blowing up out of nowhere." And then I peeped your YouTube channel. I was like, "No, bro, this dude has been at it for years. You, you like, you were in some like old dude's living room interviewing him. You, you had clear shades on." I was like, "No, this dude has like definitely been consistent and hustling for a long time." Yeah, dude, actually, so that old dude, uh, Rick Neuheisel, that was actually the first schmo in the pro video I did. I think that was in Manhattan Beach in his living room, former UCLA football coach. Busted out the guitar. I think that's the video. I think this was 2015 or 16. But, yeah, man, I've been at it for a long time. But Sunday will be a year since my first viral, I call them schmoments, uh, with the UFC with Dana White. And uh, that's kind of where I've hit the relevancy in the combat sports field but you're right man i've been grinding at it for years but finally about a year ago is kind of where all the hard work started uh paying fruition and things started going sky skywards for me can you uh just before i move on can you just give a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do yeah uh my name is dave schmolenson aka the schmo I describe what I do as being a sports personality. I work in media and I interview fighters showcasing their personalities and just adding a modern new twist to sports journalism. So I'd consider myself a sports personality um, in the field of journalism. And um, 
I'm there for entertainment and making people laugh and informing them at the same time. Dude, do you mind if I describe you real quick? If you just what? Do you mind if I describe you? Yeah, go for I it. I think you're like a hustler, bro. Like you are at every event. You show up at everything. How does it, how does like the, uh, the negotiation work for you? Like, are you in character when you like approach them? Like say, Hey, like I want to get a press pass or are you like not in character in your normal day? So I come from the traditional sports journalism world. I worked for many years at USA Today, uh, the newspaper. And, you know, for that, I, you know, I worked at the NFL Network. I, I worked at Stars, the movie I, channel. Dude, I, I LinkedIn stalked you, man. I saw it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool, cool. So um, I get the traditional game. I come from that world. And I've uh, basically had to build my credibility um, it's not just something where, Hey, can I have a press credential? You, you have to, you have to be legitimate. So I've, I've, I'm a hustler. Like you said, I'm an entrepreneur, definitely that at heart, definitely that at the core, but, um, I have to approach it in the most professional way possible and catering to the fossils, the, the powers to be when it comes to, um, distribution for credentials and media. So I've, had to really earn my stripes and fall in place in that traditional media outlook before I could really um, just flex my my schmoness because uh, now that I have the audience and the views, I can really just do things my way. I hear you. So, so you kind of had to ease into the character and not be too over the top at the start? 100%. Exactly. If, if you look at uh, some of my most original work, I think the character just got better throughout time. And depending on the athlete, depending on the sport, um, it's kind of how I catered the, um, the character. Like I would bring it more over the top for certain athletes and I would definitely kind of water it down for other athletes. Definitely have to, um, before I went into full character mode, for some people I explained it. For some people, I just completely startled them over the top. That just went <laughs> into my research into who it was that I was interviewing and uh, sport I was covering. Did it, has anyone ever like tried to swing on you? Like, whoa, bro, that came out of nowhere. Oh yeah, dude. I've I've some crazy, crazy uh, responses. Just watching people's reaction is probably the most fun part of the character from the onset. Before that was the best part before people actually knew who I was or who the schmo was or who I was before I became popular was just seeing people's reactions. Like who the fuck is this guy or what the hell is he doing? And then like, after I'd get into it, maybe one or two minutes in, they, they'd get it because like, yeah, I, I come off as crazy, but at the core of it, I do ask some pretty damn good questions. Yeah, for sure. And so like when you'd approach athletes, you'd be like, Hey, I'm Dave. Nice to meet you. And then as soon as the camera turns on, it just, you snap into it. I would say it's more like, um, okay, when I put these glasses on, you're the pro, I'm the schmo, let's go. And that's it. I don't want to talk too much. I don't want to say too much. I'd rather just surprise them. So that was pretty much my one-liner. And then we go <laughs> after it after that. And so where do you get like this theatrical like background from? You got like actors in your family or? No, never taken acting. Oh, actually in college I took a, an acting class, but it was like just a BS kind of elective. It's not like I went to the University of Arizona. I went to a party school. I mean, I had fun. I, it's not like I took acting to act or, or whatever. It was just an easy way to get an A. Get that credit. I yeah, I feel you. Brian did the um, same thing. But uh, I come from a suburb. I'm, I'm a Chicago guy. Grew, born and raised 25 miles outside of the city. 
and uh, passionate sports fans, Chicago Second City legends. I look up to the John Belushi's, the Chris Farley's, the Mike Myers, um, a lot of influence there. And then like uh, a guy like Harry Carey, who wore these huge glasses. Mm -hmm. And you got to understand with my family too, I, my dad's a dentist, mom's a saleswoman. Um, nothing, no connection in sports, but sales is not though for sure. Right. Oh, hundred percent. Everything in life is sales. You got to be able to sell yourself completely. But my mom, I'm pretty much blind as a bat without contacts or glasses in. So when I was a kid, I started having glasses at like two years old. My parents gave me these over the top glasses that kind of look like the schmo glasses I have now, uh, without yellow lenses, but thick frames. And it was kind of like a running joke. So I always had those glasses until I was like the sixth or seventh grade and got contacts. So that kind of influence always weighed in on me. And I've always just been a weird, goofy guy at, the, at, at, at my core. I'm just a weird, nerdy, goofy guy, diehard sports fan, love history, love to make people laugh, love those second city Chicago legends. And it's kind of just like a, an extra sleeve of myself where I've always been good at doing impressions. I'm pretty good at doing the Borat impression, was big with Austin Powers. and so. Dude, it's I just, just watched Austin Powers the other day. It's like so incredibly written. It's insane. Amazing. It's so good. It's so good. Um, and each so movie gets movies. better. It's not like, like Goldmember I thought was the best. Yeah, dude. There's so many. Mike Myers is a freaking genius. And he plays like all the characters too. He plays, you know, Dr. Fat Evil. Bastard, also, Dr. Fat Evil. Bastard. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. Well, bro, I think the best part of the movies are uh, Dr. Evil and Seth Green as his son. Like, you know, when they go on Jerry Springer, that shit is hilarious. Oh, dude, it's so great. Jerry Springer, I think that show is filmed in Chicago, too. Uh, Steve Wolkos, his security guard, stemmed away. So there's so many Chicago uh, influences, comedy influences into what I do. And, yeah, Jerry Springer, add that to the clan. Now, so, so you were, well, one, when did you graduate You Arizona? 2012. Yo, was Jimmy Tatro popping with his videos when you were there? Yeah, so Jimmy's two years younger than me. Um, we're both frat guys. He was in one of the good frats. I was in one of the good frats. Uh, I knew – I actually – I was around because um, when he was – just no one knew who he was, and he started popping off videos. And I always looked at his videos after I graduated in 2012, and I'm living in L.A., and I know he's from L.A. I always looked at him like, okay – he went for it, hit lightning in a bottle. That frat video took him off to next levels, and he's just a funny guy. And um, yeah, so he's a couple of years younger than me. Um, and I'm the same way, bro. Like, I've been looking at his career forever. Because when I was in college, I started making videos, and the only person who like really had a model was Tatro. Yeah, man, he 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 did it. He did a great job. I, I look up to someone. A lot of people com compare me to a, a younger uh, Dave Portnoy. And I just think he's such a naturally funny dude. He's from our um, city, man. I'm from Boston. That's your city. And, and his hustle, what he used to do with his newspaper and handing it out the, the subway system over there in Boston and, and the way it kind of blew up. I look up to his resilience and uh, what he does. But where I, where I found my character and my niche uh, different, it's, look, my shit's all self-deprecating. It's the schmo and the pro it's the schmo versus the pro, but the joke's always on me. Nobody gets hurt. I don't, I don't even get hurt. The schmo gets hurt, right? I've, I'm competing and get my ass kicked, the schmo. I always differentiate the two. And 
my comedy falls on how can we make fun of myself versus how do I make fun of other people? And that's kind of what I pride my content on. So you were, well, I'm sure that means Gronk was probably there when you were at Arizona too, right? Yes. Gronk was there too, man. Exactly. Yeah. All the ties. Nick Foles, uh, if, if you go, if you, yeah, that, I was there in the golden age, man. The golden age. I know. Now there's no sports to be played. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And um, so like you leave school and you get like a traditional job in media. What was it like? telling like your parents and your family like yo i'm about to send it on this like totally eccentric character was everyone like dude you are out of your mind so it was more progressive than that man so when i graduated college i inter i paid to intern in the city i picked up two degrees in personal training just to pay the bills and i did that for six seven months i worked 18 hour days before i moved out to la and then i would work the traditional jobs for about four or five years um and then when I was in year two at USA Today, that's where I built enough confidence because I took the job knowing I'll find a way. Newspapers had to transition to the digital era. I made friends with the editors. I found a way to get on camera. I was hired to consult sports websites. And um, year two in, my buddy's a big, uh, my buddy's a big comedy guy. He's a producer for Jimmy Kimmel. And he, he's the one who gave me the influence to, hey, get on YouTube, do these, some of these videos. So my first early YouTube videos before the schmo was I was myself and how to pick the perfect NCAA graphic, uh, bracket, why I should be the first pick in the 2015 NFL draft, um, what to do now that football season's over. And they got picked up by like Yahoo Sports and some traditional sports outlets. And that kind of got the green light going to, to move things forward. And then my roommate had vintage clothing and, and got me into like, I had my own sports blog, the Schmozone Lair which uh, were the air is thin, the sports get heavy, dropped it to the schmo zone. And then I started getting writers and then the schmo character. So everything was really gradual over time. Um, and I'm going to write, and just so you know, one day I'm going to write a book about all this crap and I'm going to detail I know, it I, I was going to say, dude, like, especially because I'm trying to build my own thing in Boston and I probably, I'm, this is like year four for me. You, when you reminisce on it, like you talk about it in chunks, but people don't understand. No, it's like every hour of every single day. Dude. Yeah. There was so many times where I was just sat there crying, eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, literally had nothing was, Jeez. was ready to quit. was just, there's so much involved with it, but yeah. So the schmo thing over time, but my, my parents, I, I'll give them the credit. They always support to go back to original question. They always support me. And my vision, more so my dad than my mom. My mom's more of a realist, more pessimistic than my dad. My dad's an entrepreneur himself. Um, so, um, but look, there were so many hard times throughout the process, but they understood where I was going. It was gradual. Um, and look, man, uh, it's, there's, there's craziness to it. I kind of got forced out of my last traditional job, and, um, which is a whole crazy story in itself. But so- What happened? Um, uh, in a nutshell, I'll just say it like this. They fired me. It was the Schmo or USA Today, and I chose the Schmo. I bet on myself. And, wow. Um, Good for you, bro. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So the first, first couple of years of being on my own, 2017 was a really dark year for me. And things started to pick up in 2018 towards the end. That's when things started getting better. I got my first sponsor with uh, Tim Tan, the power massager, shout out to them. They, they, they were shout like a lifeline. Tim. 
they were Tim Tam. They were like a lifeline for me. But uh, yeah, then 2019, I couldn't have asked for a better year. It kind of it made off made up for like seven eight years of truly grinding last year. So, so when you were initially building 2017, like did you go into it with like no business model? You're like, yo, I'm just gonna totally send it with the videos. Like this just feels right. No, I had a business model, but be, from, coming from the traditional world I was in, I was so reluctant to YouTube. I just, I, I was like so gung ho of I got to get picked up by a network. I got, I got blown off by NBC Sports, by Fox Sports, by ESPN. They literally, I've been through the ringer through them. Like you know, they just kind of like used me to pick my brain uh, to where I was going with this and try to build something better of their own, which they can never do. Or, or they, they just saw it as okay this is a little niche thing. This character can never live in sports because someone hasn't done it before. I'm like, ah, screw it. I'll do it. I'll make it work. And, um, uh, yeah. So when I was building this thing, the model was not through YouTube. It was just through how can I gather sponsors and get picked up by a network and do these videos? I was, I was like, look, the CPM to be high, higher if I work directly with a sponsor and work with a, a video player, whereas I would, if I went to YouTube, I was so reluctant to that model, but what for the guy we talked about earlier, the Jimmy Tatro model was always in the back of my mind. I just didn't know if that would be applicable to sports because, again, it hadn't been done before. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, I kind of look at what I'm doing is like no one's done sports comedy and, and blended the world of being a traditional media uh, member and being a YouTuber. <clears throat> I hate the word influencer, but a lot of people want to call that to me. Cause I take the, I I'm like, they want to put you on a spectrum. Let's say on the spectrum, uh, on one end is the, the YouTuber. One end is the, the sports media world. Well, I'm not on either one. I'm right in the middle. I blend the best of both worlds and right into the middle of it. And because it hasn't been done before, people wanted to group me as one A and one B, but it's, it's not true. Just like my blood type. If you call them AB, I'm, I may be positive. You know, I'm not A or B. I'm, I may be positive. I hear you. And, and so are, are you totally a one man team at this point or do you have like a, do you have, someone must be at, you must not do all the editing, right? I write, produce, I edit, I book the talent. You edit everything? Oh yeah, man. Wow. Yeah, dude. I had to teach myself, and I was so reluctant to teach myself how to edit. That 2017, I was teaching myself how to edit, but final I would cut? say it's more like a two uh, final, mostly iMovie. And then I finally had to graduate to a final cut, man. Wow. And You're then. You're bro. Yeah, well, you edit the, all your own videos still. That I is would, insane. I edit over ninety percent of my videos. Um, the ten percent when I do sponsored content, there's one person I trust because there's some independent people that I work with. But the people I work with have to be Swiss Army knives. Um, my buddy Ben, he's very talented with shooting and editing. He's the only person really I've let edit my videos. But that that's for the sponsored videos, the where I do the Schmoverse, the pro. But all the interview stuff, everything, that's all me editing, 100% of it. Do you um, do all the branding too? Because you, you do a wicked good job with that. Yeah, I've, 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 I've done the branding, it, the, the character and everything like that. Um, yeah, that was that. But I do want to say this, though, in terms of how I operate, it's a two-man team. I should say two, one man, one woman. Uh, when I was first starting out, I'd work with select video people just to, to, I need someone to film it. I can't film myself doing interviews and hold it. Um, but I've been blessed along the way. Um, a lot of MMA fans know her as well. Um, Helen Yee, my girlfriend, we lived, lived together. Yeah. I just watched the last, I just watched the last Schmo zone. That's your wifey. 
yeah, we, she's a grinder too. She's the only person I've ever met that's got the work ethic like I do. Uh, we, she was showing up to all the boxing fights, all the MMA fights. She lived in Vegas, um, helped influence me to move to Vegas. I always kind of knew I wanted to go to Vegas, but she totally, once we started dating, it was a no brainer and I didn't delay it anymore. I moved to Vegas and fight capital of the world and everything, but basically we film for each other. Um, so, and that's what we do. Like she, uh, being with her has helped me become a better camera person. Cause now I know kind of what, what to do with lighting, with sound and everything like that. But we film each other and then we, we edit our, our own content. We book the talent, we write, we produce, we, we do our own media and, um, yeah. So two people. So, so how does that work? So like you'll go run an interview and then your wife is like, Hey, I got an interview. And so then do you snap out of the schmo character, even though everyone around you already knows that you're the schmo? Yeah, pretty much. I, th I think that's a pretty good way to say <laughs> Some people it. must be like, yo, what the fuck is going on here? Oh yeah. Yeah. We get that. Um, but, but the more popular I've, I've become in MMA, the more they know that like they know me is, is this person and the character too. So they know I, I snap on, snap off of it, especially now that I've interviewed a lot of these guys and girls uh, three or four times at least. Now, how did you, because I've noticed this with the podcast too, even though it's not really like necessarily the goal of the show, but it's like you sometimes you land one guest and then it gives you leverage to get the next guest who you think would be a little bit harder to get. Has that, is that how it worked for you with the schmo? 100%. Um, actually, so my second guest with the Schmo and the Pro, and I leveraged USA Today. I built my own studio at USA Today uh, to, 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 to create everything. Um, I had a contact to Terrell Owens, T.O., um, and uh, ba basically, um, he, that guy goes through publicists like I go through t-shirts, you know? He's yeah. a great dude. Him and I have a great relationship to this day. I love T.O., I, 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 there, there's so much because of having him on my show, it's done so many wonders for me. But, um, basically I got T.O. as my second guest that opened up the floodgates for me to get tons of other NFL athletes at NBA players and stuff like that. So getting T.O. as my second guest when I did this back in 2016 was amazing. That's a godsend, dude. You know how many people who have media outlets who would be like, Oh my God, like he's one of the most high, high profile NFL players of all time. 100% probably the third best wide receiver of all time. But that's where I was smart and I leveraged my connection to USA Today. So, look, as bad as it ended with USA Today, I still am grateful for my boss at there. I'm so grateful for some of the people surrounded by it. Some people hated it. A lot of people, the traditional journalists, they were like, who the hell is this 20-something kid coming in here, getting all these views, doing this stuff, being like – they use the word maverick. They like to call me a maverick. Which the, old, which the more I've got into this, the more I look into people like Logan Paul. He's known as a maverick. Cool, great, whatever. He's a couple of years younger than me. The kid's doing all right. Um, but look, they, some people loved it. Some people hated it, got mixed reviews. But a lot of people want to support you until they see you as a threat, is what I've uh, noticed along the journey here. A lot of people, when, when you're nothing, they're like, oh, yeah, you're great. Come on, keep going. They want to encourage you. And then when you're somebody, they're like, oh, fuck this guy's competition. Want nothing to do with him. It's funny how the world works that way. So how did you – so you were doing NFL players. How did you notice there was a niche in the UFC that, like, they needed, like, a media personality? Yeah, man. Because the UFC, great, I was just question. describing with Brendan. I was like, the UFC is kind of like, for someone who isn't a regular consumer, is kind of like Game of Thrones. It's like 
you watch one season and it's like you don't really get what's going on but like you're like okay this is kind of fire then by season two you're like damn like these characters are sweet and then by season three you're like all right i kind of get how everything works now yeah it's no dude it's it's very technical um uh it's just coming in from a casual fan it's like what the fuck is going on i see these guys rolling on the ground what the hell are they doing i get it um so yeah i started doing nfl and nba those are two of my favorite sports growing up i played basketball my whole life and they're the two big moneymaker sports i i'm an entrepreneur they had the most sponsorship money and most biggest fan base those are my favorite sports i started there but my college roommate um got me into mma at u of a um, my senior year, he's, he is actually from my same hometown in high school in Chicago, my buddy Scott. Um, and he would train at a gym in Tucson where, um, Dominic Cruz, the UFC fighter, Bantamweight fighter would train out of. So I, I started getting to know MMA in the early 2010, 2011s. That's when I first started getting, um, accustomed to it. Then when I moved to LA, you know, I'm still working in sports and I'd focus on NFL and NBA. The bar right next to me would always have the UFC fights. And for some reason, I was just gravitated to two people locked in a cage beating the fuck out of each other. It always, I couldn't look away. (laughs) It's amazing, dude. Like Gladiator. I fucking love that shit. Gladiator, one of the great movies of my childhood. Are you not entertained? Are you not? Exactly. And I just was gravitated to watching people beat the shit out of each other. And this is like when Conor McGregor was still on undercards. Ronda Rousey was, was climbing to fame. Um, and I was just hooked and I would start watching the pay-per-views with my friends and so on and so forth. So when I was completely on my own in 2017 and I'm doing this character, that's when I started getting it pivoting into combat sports because unlike baseball, football, basketball, all these teams have unions, all these teams have publicists that kind of construct the message of these individuals. Well, in the combat sports, and I actually started unboxing before I started doing MMA, you're only as good as your next fight. And these people don't have unions. They, they, they need as much PR as they can get. And uh, look, you're beating the fuck out of each other. You're bashing brains for a living. Let me add some comedic element to this. And as much as I love Joe Rogan, the one criticism I have of Joe Rogan is he doesn't really do a good job blending his comedy world with his fight world. And to me, it's a no-brainer. It, I have the scorched earth policy. Everything is up for grabs when it comes to comedy. Your life is a comedy. You can't separate the stuff. So I just went for it. I saw an opening. I didn't see much competition, especially in the journalism world in combat sports, whether it's boxing or if it's in um, MMA, um, especially, especially uh, coming from the NFL and NBA world where there's personalities galore, you know, the Stephen A. Smiths of the world, the Skip Bayless of the world. I'm like, fuck it. I could come in here and I could – am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, bro. It's fine. Okay, cool. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to come in here and, uh, and I'm a competitive guy. I'm like, look, um, I don't give a shit what other people think about me. I just want to wake up every day and talk sports and make people laugh. And um, I'm going to be the best at doing that. And yeah, so it's just like totally an undersaturated market. So like, was it easy to get connected? Like, okay, I just got this interview. Now it will be pretty easy to get this interview. Is that how it worked once you start working yourself in? Um, well, I, I, how I got into MMA, uh, TJ Dillashaw is the Bantamweight champion at the time. Um, there's a traditional, um, age ad agency. Uh, uh, I don't even want to give this company his name. I can't even remember what it's called, but basically I really, really wanted a sponsor. I was desperately looking for a sponsor at that time. I needed money. 
and I saw that they worked with Muscle Farm and Muscle Farm had a list of athletes. And I looked at the list and TJ Dillashaw, UFC Bantamweight champion, um, and he was the most notable on that list. And plus I wanted to get into, I'm like, perfect, I'll get into MMA this way. I literally put my health on the line. I put on the schmo suit. I went into Muscle Farm. I, I worked with him. I got my ass kicked by him. I wrestled with him. I took leg kicks. I couldn't walk for a week. I, he busted up my knee pretty damn good. My leg beat the shit out of me. Um, uh, all for the comedy, all for the content. It's on YouTube now. Uh, something like TJ Strange with the Schmo. That's hilarious. And I still didn't even get the freaking sponsorship money. But that, you were pissed. That, I'm pissed, but I'm like, look, now I, I just train with this guy. I better beat his next fight. And I just took all my resources, all of my stuff. I pivoted and like, I'm going all into MMA. I just took, I just got my ass kicked. I might as well. And kind of, it fizzled uh, open from there. Sweet. Hey B, I'm, I'm going to let you chime in. You got any questions for Dave? Yeah, I do. Um, so I had a bunch of questions about UFC 249 and obviously now it's postponed and the future is pretty uncertain, but I'm just wondering what are a couple of fights did you really like to see in the future and what is one guest that you'd love to interview this year? Yeah. Great questions. Well, no brainer for the guest I want to interview this year is Conor McGregor. If they were going to have that UFC Dublin card, which doesn't seem likely with the state of the world we live in right now in August, I was going to go to Dublin. I know he wouldn't be fighting on that fight card because it would be a fight night. wouldn't be a pay-per-view, but I have a good relationship with his coaches um, and um, I would have interviewed Conor McGregor. I need to interview him. Um, Habib as well. I'd probably put um, Habib and Conor McGregor. I've asked them questions at press conferences, but the one-on-one schmo in the pro is what I need to do. So I'd say those You'll two there, guys. You'll get there, bro. You know what will happen. Of course. It's inevitable. I'll make it happen. Um, so, so those guys for sure. Fights that I need to see happen, obviously, Tony Ferguson and Habib. I would say Justin Gaethje and Conor McGregor because that's the round rodham. Those are the fights I need to see. Would have loved to seen Jarzinho Rosenstrike against Francis Ngannou. And um, I don't know the health, and a lot of people don't know the status of Stipe's eye, but have it, that trilogy fight with Stipe in D.C. B, how's that? So I have a – I had um before – did you come to UFC Boston? I did. I was there. Okay, fire. Yeah, so – we uh we ran two podcasts with Charles Rosa and Manny Bermudez. I'm friends with Manny, and uh, coincidentally they fought each other. Yeah. So, so I reached out to both of them. I said, "Yeah, like I'm lining up with the Schmo man." Charles said, "Hey, Charles is fighting Bryce Mitchell on May second. Any ideas?" Bryce Mitchell, Thug Nasty, came off that amazing uh, Twister submission, um, and he got some notoriety for that. I think that was in DC. Um, and I was at that fight car too. Uh, so ideas, uh, keep it standing. <laughs> well, just any, I think he just wants thoughts on the fight. Just thoughts on the fight. I'm, Charles I'm Bryce. I'm excited to see it, man. I'm totally excited to see it. Uh, two guys that are pretty fearless that come in there. Um, I don't think the casual fans going to be very familiar with those fighters in that fight, but, uh, someone who covers the sport like I do and the, the, the diehard fans, that's a fan-friendly fight. I'm excited to see it. Two guys that are willing to die on the line and go for it. Um, you know, Charles is a lunatic. Trust me. Like, yeah, <laughs> that is mine. They're they're both they're both great. They're both great uh, dance partners for for combat sports. I, I'm excited to watch them share a cage. And I had asked Manny. 
Um, Manny, I, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm like translating what he said transparently here, but he said there's like a weird niche in the UFC for MMA managers and like MMA managers are becoming very glorified. I think he was like, ask him about MMA managers and like what's going on with that. So are they like becoming celebrities of their own now or something? I think they try to be. Um, it's, it's weird, dude. There's so much politics. There's so much politics in all sports. But MMA is such a different sport because like I, some of the things I mentioned before, there's no union. You're only as good as your next fight. These, some of these managers fucking hate each other. I'd like to see some of these managers get in the cage and fight each other. And some of them would, dude. Some of them really want to kill each other. There's, 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 there's like one right now that, that, that's, that's uh, press charges against the others because they got slapped at a PFL fight. Um, but yeah, some of these managers hate each other and they try to, the, the, to steal each other's fighters and they reach out to each other's fighters. It's a real damn thing. It's real drama. And, um, dude, there's even drama between media members, man. Uh, a lot I'm of sure. people give me, yeah, dude, I called out Ariel Hawani to a charity grappling match back, uh, in November. Dude, it's, 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 it's a, what I love about this, like the internet, it's kind of like the wild, wild west. It's like, there's no blueprint for it. This sport's been around 25, 26 years, and it's evolving every day. It's the combat sports is the fastest growing sports. MMA is the fastest growing sport in the entire world, and um, it, I just like being a part of it and being a. Just like testosterone, just a gauntlet. Dude, there's crazy shit, man. Uh, it, testosterone. Even I think back in November at the UFC uh, 240 with the with the the diaz and the uh the bmf fight with mosfidal they had like someone from the guardian coming in there doing a series on masculinity like there's so many random <laughs> people that come to cover different fights like it's uh there's characters there's this guy gareth davies that's on the uk also that does boxing that does uh mma he's a character there, there's so many fun people in the sport dude do you know who uh nardwar is yeah, I know you Nardwar. Interview Nardwar. You have Dude, to. Let me just say this. Let me say this about this Nardwar cat. All the <laughs> I, I I have so much respect for what he does, but it's such a peasant mindset because I, so many people I get all these comments. Dude, you're just a rip off of Nardwar. You're the MMA Nardwar. 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 I'm like th- then I go and check this guy out because I had no idea who this guy was. Because look, I like music, but I'm not like a music savant. I don't like know these things about the the rappers and, and, and freaking hip hop artists and stuff like that. So all these people want to compare me to Nardwar. I have nothing but respect. The only thing we have in common is we're both goofy, weird freaking dudes. I no, don't but, know. But you're both very good journalists. Yeah. Okay. I'll give them that too. We're both really good journalists. We both do our homework and we know all of our research and we're both really goofy, eccentric dudes. Other than that, I mean, come on. Like, I don't know shit about music why people hit you up all the time they say they say you're nardwar dude people in the comment section are like you're nardwar stop ripping off nardwar nardwar i'm like dude (laughs) i didn't know who nardwar was until people like you started putting this in the comments and then i checked them out and even still i don't watch his stuff i mean i've checked him out but like dude you guys you don't have to be like he's a legend man dude respect respect he's a legend but the guys i look up to are the joe rogans tim ferris and my guy, Tim Ferriss. Yeah, Tim Ferriss. Uh, he. I know, no, I know he is. I was surprising. Four Hour Work Week. Four Hour Work Week. Four Hour Body. That was the first uh, book I read that he did. Was the Four Hour Body. Monk fruit, um, intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting, exactly. Do you fast? Uh, um, 
I've, I, I've, I, from my personal training background, I've tried mostly tons of diets, tons of, tons of different diets. I've done the intermittent fasting for four weeks, eight weeks, 12 week periods. I, I cycle on and off in diets. The, every diet works in my opinion, as long as you're consistent. Consistency is everything. So what you've, everybody's body's different. People's blood types are different. Like there's so many different theories. Consistency is key to any diet. So I'm not going to sit here and preach one way or the other. Am I currently doing intermittent fasting? Today I am for some reason, but in all, <laughs> all in all, um, it's not something I live by. But my guy, man, my guy who I look up to is Rodney Dangerfield. That guy's a freaking legend. A lot of people, they ask, what is the schmo? I say it's Craig Sager meets Rodney Dangerfield. Sports first, comedy second. Rodney Dangerfield, comic that never got respect to his 40s and 50s. He's known for saying, I ain't getting no damn respect. I feel that same way too. But what I love about Rodney Dangerfield is he walks in, his, in a room, you know he's there. His presence, his comedy presence, his physical presence, it was always there. And I always have respect for his work. <laughs> I got to call one of my friends because he's a big UFC guy and he had some questions. So, B, just hang on the line real quick, okay? Okay. This is my buddy, Hector. Hey, Dave, man. I appreciate you doing this, dude. Thank you. Of course, man. Learned a ton. I like, I love the fact that you just, you just built this in like, like three years, no love, and you just fucking grinded it out. And now you're getting all the W's. Appreciate it, man. Might be a little bit longer than three years, though, but we'll we'll give it three. Okay, my three fault. is still a long time. Might not even pick up. Your hair doesn't look very ginger from here, man. I'm like I'm like an Auburn. You you more like an Auburn. Okay, well you can pick up. Man, did you not tell me you had the schmo on? I, I guess did. I, I said, I said, I'm calling you at 240, Heck. Hey, Heck didn't pick up B. Classic. Yeah, that is. Um, lose. Uh, so, question, where, where would you like to build this to? Like, obviously, like, you want to become, like, a central media personality, build up a company. But, like, if you and I were on some big boss talk in, like, 20 years, where would you like to be positioned? Yeah, man. I want to be the number one sports personality in the world. I want to have the late night show of sports. Like a lot of people are like, oh, you remind me of a young Conan O'Brien or, you know, uh, or whatever. Um, I want to have the Taj.0, the Conan O'Brien, the um, Jimmy Kimmel live of sports. I want to have the Schmo show, an hour long show that could be streamed in any place, anywhere with all the emerging, emerging technologies, whether it lives on Netflix, Hulu, or the next big platform. Um, uh, the Schmo and the Pro. The Schmo versus the Pro and uh, the uh, a green screen kind of like opening monologue of what's going on in the world of sports. An hour show using those three components. A I nice HBO deal, maybe. Yeah, man. And then I want to build out the Schmo sports platform, like a barstool sports platform. A Schmo sports platform would be uh, would be in the works as well. Now, how how you don't have to get like too into detail about it, but how do you monetize now? How does that work? Yeah, um, uh, kind of, kind of uh, working directly with sponsors. Uh, YouTube um, is another way. Um, a little bit in the merch side, the podcasting side, but working with sponsors, you know, having a following, um, reaching, I guess now with quarantine, it's a little different, but I've been reaching at least 1.5 million views throughout my platforms every week uh, prior to the quarantine situation. The, Good for you, the, man. The coronavirus, but 
working with sponsors and uh, like, like sponsors that I would want to work with. And um, uh, YouTube is a staple way as well. And um, uh, but yeah, uh, monetization through, I say the, the 2020 digital era that we're in right now, sponsors and digital outlets and platforms. Now, I mean, this is a really general question, but we'll probably cut up as a clip because you know, content works. Um, who, what's your favorite interview been thus far in terms of like, I'm sure you got a couple. Yeah. You got to tell me the sport. Uh, we'll start UFC. Well, I'm biased to say Dana White, uh, because, uh, that blew up for me. Uh, Dana White, Tony Ferguson, uh, Yoel Romero, those three are easiest right off the cuff. Some of the easiest things to say because they they've been phenomenal interviews where we're able to just go back and forth throughout the entire time. And have I know it's nice when it. like people feed off of the energy. It's like, great. Some people are stiff. It's like, come on, man. He's like busting his ass out here. Yeah, no dude. Like there's guys that feed off of it. Diego Sanchez, John Jones, those guys have really fed off of uh, the energy too. Ben Askren is a freaking awesome interview. Always been and same with, same with same with Kobe Covington because he's playing a character in himself, so he understands it. Kobe and I have had great interviews too. I know I just named a ton of freaking people, but dude, I loved your Pacquiao interview. You're like, yeah, who wins a one on one game? You and Floyd Mayweather. He goes, we'll, we'll play one on one and five on five. <laughs> oh, oh, dude, it was so great, and I, that was in his house too. He invited me in his like, house. With his family, it was awesome, dude. It was awesome. So Pacquiao, boxing wise, that's great. And then I will say this. This is a little bit out of the box. My favorite interview outside of Matt Sports has got to be hands down Bill Walton. He's a Boston guy to an extent. He played for your Celtics. He got a ring there. Bill Walton, freaking legend. He is a schmo. He is the definition of a schmo. A schmo is a weird and funny dabbles in pop culture. Pop culture. Bill Walton is a schmo. Amazing interviews with him. I've had two dude we were talking like when i was talking with the producers uh dude you gotta like try to get a, a presidential press pass you and trump man that'd be sweet yeah i think and i think that's the more popular this goes like i and that's the one thing though dude i i stay away from politics like sports and politics yeah, are I, two I fucking hate politics it's so corrupt i i can go off for days talking about it but dude, i'm i'm and i'm now i'm gonna be totally counterintuitive but i'm pumped we didn't talk about any of the virus or any of the quarantine right now it's like everywhere wow. dude sports are an escape man people 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 are just living paycheck to paycheck um there's such a disparity between rich and poor in this country like sports should should allow you to escape and to be happy get out of your real world problems for a couple seconds that's that's part of the reason why i love them too and I just hate blending the two worlds. I'm not there to hurt people. I'm just there to make people laugh and do what I love. Talk sports. So with everything getting shut down, when do you think the U and UFC just got canceled yesterday? Were yeah. you pissed? Were you going to go to that? Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, sorry, man. Yes. Short answer is yes. Um, I would have been there. Um, but um, in terms of. When's everything opening back up with the league? Yeah. Yeah, dude. So I'll say this. Nobody knows. Uh, obviously, Dana White got shut down because of the Disney execs. The Disney execs got pressure from Governor Gavin Newsom in California because they're going to do it <clears throat> in Indian land and Indian reservation in California. And as soon as that, that got word out, um, they, they shut that down. 
I'll say this, uh, the USC, I do where, where Dana is completely right. The USC will be the first major sports organization to reopen For and sure. to have fights, to have, to have this televised, to have this, uh, for people making paychecks again, it will be the UFC first. You know, they haven't come out and set a date. Uh, the next fight would be UFC 250 May 9th. I personally don't even know if that's realistic. I think, in my opinion, mid-May would be realistic. Uh, mid-May would that's be... That's optimistic, bro. Is an, opti- an optimistic earliest time, but June is most likely. What? And you think that'd be in the U.S.? I think uh, U.S. at that in that same Indian casino uh, on Indian Reservation in California for the United States fighters. That fight island will happen for international fights. That's gonna be sick, dude. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. And you're gonna fly out to the private island. It's gonna be sweet. That I can't confirm. I can confirm the California stuff. I I can feel confident about that. I I I would love to be there. And if I if I get the opportunity to be there, you damn well know I'll find a way to be there. But I don't want to sit here and say, oh, the show's gonna be there at Fight Island. Um, I I'd rather under promise uh, over over deliver. That salesperson, um, okay. But um, yeah, good good vibes thinking that, of course. No crowds, probably. No crowds. Oh, Just that sucks. very very uh, you know very select few individuals would be there for sure. Hey B, any final questions for Dave? John, I was just wondering, have they ever had an outdoor fight? Like, I'm thinking they could get like a little creative, maybe have like an amphitheater outside. Well, I know they do that for boxing. I know boxing's had plenty of outdoor fights. I'm trying to sit here and think um, if they've had any indoor fights with UFC or outdoor fights with the UFC, because that's a great point. I know Muay Thai fights, they've been outdoor too as well. There's no reason why they couldn't do it. Um, I'm trying to think if Abu Dhabi was. I know, I know that Anthony Joshua, um, Andy Ruiz fight was outdoors. There's no reason why they couldn't do it, is to answer to your question. I well, can't dude, let's pitch in that Schmo bread. I'll pitch in the Golden Deer Productions bread. Let's design a floating cage. We float it out into the Pacific Ocean. We send the two fighters, and then what we do is we throw bait in the water. So we have sharks all around the cage. You know what I'm saying? Then it's really a fight to the death. That's really raising the stakes, man. <laughs> That's come branding, all, baby. Come all around. <laughs> We'll call it Schmum, or we'll, we got to we got to brand it. We got to brand the chum Ooh. that we're putting in there. Ooh, Schmum, I like that. It. Yeah, and, <laughs> and you'll uh, yeah, you'll just like put an insignia of your Schmo logo on on all of the bait. Yeah, dude. Yeah, no, I hey, I'm all for it because look, at the end of the day, it's it, my, my my where I stand on this. It's obviously uh, fighters need to put money food on the table and obviously you need to keep as much precautions as possible i guarantee you if a fighter can get a paycheck they will self quarantine be willingly uh self quarantine for one two weeks whatever they need to do after they fight to ensure that they don't infect anybody on a plane or at home or their hometown they're within their household after they fight um if if there's a, a way to make this uh safe and I know there is a way to do it. Um, who am I to say no to it? I hear you. Hey, B, how's that? I really enjoyed it, man. That was great. Dude, thank you so much for doing this, man. Of course, man. Um, appreciate it. A couple it. things. Yeah, when you – I mean, we'll meet in person. It's just like such, such, living in such a weird world. But next time you're out in Boston, definitely hit me. And, and I know you were probably pissed that I asked you for your phone number because you thought I might be a creep. But I'm a good guy, man. I promise. <laughs> 
No, dude, I, I did a podcast with you. Um, I, I didn't have any doubts, man. I get hit up a lot for a lot of random crap, but, uh, um, you know. My, my LinkedIn profile looked okay. <laughs> you, you, I, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, your LinkedIn profile. I, 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 look, man, I've been, I've been in, in so many different shoes. I've, I blindly reached out and blown away. I, I treat people the way I want to be treated. Everybody has my respect until you give me reason to lose the respect. And I've, I've been in, I've been in your shoes, cold calling and, and, and reaching out to people. I haven't gotten the same results. I haven't been able to get the other person on the zoom podcast. Uh, well, I guess it was zoom around five, six years ago, whatever it was, but like, I'm not going to be the guy I didn't want. Uh, to happen to me i'm gonna pay forward the way i want to be man so i i wish you nothing but success i appreciate you having me on um i'll re let me know when this comes out so i could reshare retweet and all that sure i'm gonna drop it we're gonna drop it on uh monday and i'll cut you up some clips yeah um additionally this is how we start and end the episode and and also i'll hit you in the messages after this i'm gonna ship you a t-shirt too Cool. cool um this is how we start in the episode you say hi my name's blank. You could say Dave, you could say the schmo. And this is my golden hour directly after no break. Hi, my name's blank. And that was my golden hour. So the first is this is the second one is that was for a little production. Cause I know the big USA today guy. We got, this is at the front and that was at the end. You feel me? I feel you, but uh, you're making this brain work, but I'll try it and uh, we'll do it. Hi, this is, and, and this, what do I say after that about the golden hour? Hi, this is, I'm going to say Dave the Schmo, and this is my golden hour. Then, okay. hi, this is Dave, and that was my golden hour. Okay, I got you. Hi, this is Dave, a.k.a. the Schmo, and this is my golden hour. Hi, this is Dave the Schmo. And that was my golden hour. Well executed from a media legend, man. Hey, man, thank you so much for doing this. Of course, man. Best of luck, Connor. Appreciate you guys. See you, bro. Take care. Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait. Was that not it? Hey, enter. Just, you forgot to enter. <laughs>